Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend who wears a soiled dead knight's armor and co-host, Alex Tandino. That's right, guys. Uh, it is, we are officially all the way uh, Jingle Bells Deep into Stocking Stuffing Month. You guys give us your movie selections. We chose our favorites uh, to cover this month. Tonight's selection comes from friend and listener Mackie Smith. We will be covering A Knight's Tale. Woo. Uh, but before that, some quick business. Guys, if you're here with us tonight, Please take a second and uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. That helps us out a ton. Uh, hit charts, find new alchemists, all that good stuff. Thank you to those who've been doing it. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel to see a video version of this uh, discussion. Also, we have some cool new projects that will be going up over there in the new year. Film, Alchemist, formerly Nerd Alchemist, either should work uh, when Googling. You can uh, reach us on all the socials that you're on. Also, you can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with movies you'd like to hear in the future. Uh, just anything. Anytime you guys want to get a hold of us, we're easy to reach. Please do that. Uh, guys, I'm going to ask you to bear with me a little bit tonight. It's been a rough week here in the Griff house. Uh, I'm a little under the weather myself. My wife has caught the hoax. I mean, COVID. No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, it was a. Uh, it doesn't matter. My wife has the COVID. Uh, so it's been a trying week here at the Griff House, but I am super excited uh, that we got to get on the mic and talk pods. It's exactly what I needed. I'm not sure that a night's tale is, though. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> hit me with your opening thoughts on this most uh, this most mixed bag of films. I think mixed bag is a good way to put it. I This is a movie that yeah. like, I don't have nearly as much problem with as a lot of people. Like, there are things that are difficult to get over, but once you're over them, which <laughs> takes quite a few viewings, and I've watched this movie a lot just yeah. because like it's one of those movies that just happens to be on TV a lot. So like when you're <laughs> again, it's it's like it's like the Shawshank Redemption kind of like it's on, but the Shawshank Redemption's a masterpiece. This is not. But it's still fun. When you dig for the pieces that wow. are really great, they're really great. So I really I enjoy a Knight's Tale for yeah. what it is, which is a yeah mixed bag of tricks. Yeah, it is a uh, high, high century towers and deep, deep shit filled moats. Um, <laughs> what I would say is, if I was ever going to, if I was ever going to be like a legal expert, right, for why casting directors deserve Academy Award nominations, a Knight's Tale would be the very first evidence I Absolutely. would submit, right? Because I would argue, without this unbelievable cast, this movie would collapse under the enormous weight of horrible decisions uh, that it makes. I don't disagree with but that. But what happens is, it, and this is the other thing, too. I don't want to completely like sell out that I hate the movie all the way. There are some really good beats and moments that really work for me in this film. I guess we'll just get this discussion over with at the top. The anachronistic nature of this film is something I will never, ever be able to get over. Every time I watch it, and they're like, we should train on how to joust. And Lowrider comes on, 
I look for something not valuable near me to destroy because I'm so filled with hate and rage. Um, it's just the like your uncle who's a huge douche but thinks he's still one of the cool guys, right? Mm-hmm. Who's always trying to get you to have a beer and it says it's five o'clock somewhere. Like right. his Spotify playlist is the soundtrack of medieval class warfare. It's it's baffling to me. Yeah. Let me let me give you a breakdown, a microcosm of why this doesn't work for me, right? I actually think the opening of this film is fucking brilliant. Right? Just these guys are we're looking at a dead knight right. leaning on the tree. We see the reactions of these men whose life and uh livelihood is based on his right. you know playing this pony and stick game right 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 he has died so at once they're looking at him fuck what do we do we haven't eaten in three days right you know his right. squire running up and kicking him right right kicking a dead man because he so desperately wanted to eat that's a brilliant frame that the medieval time gives you right that's absolutely brilliant visual storytelling to then cut over and do uh, white people not being able to clap on beat to Queen. And then one lady in the top of the stands dancing like she's a Hooters waitress. <laughs> yes. It kills all that for me, right? And then you sandwich it. What do they do right after that? We can change our stars. We can change our stars if we take this gold. We can go in and not be poor people. And in the background, there's like a hanged man, right? He's like, that's nothing. We're not nothing. That, and you're like, this is brilliant visual storytelling. Yes. Sandwich again, low rider. It is truly a shit sandwich of a film at times. <laughs> I do not think the opening music cues of this movie are particularly inspired. I'll admit that. I think this movie does. <laughs> well, let me ask you a quick question before you launch in, right? Let me ask you a quick question. Sure. If you... If this had, even if they took these songs and had like a Renaissance cover band do them, right? Right. So it's just slightly even less anachronistic. Like doing Game of Thrones stuff. Do you think this movie, yeah, do you think this movie then, I don't know, is it, or like Westworld did that really well, right? I mean, I think. Do you think this movie then 20% better, 50% better with the average audience? I think with the average audience, yeah, I think it's probably 35% better. Because I think it's so strange that just something as silly as these songs are such a fucking cement shoe to this. I don't disagree with you. Like, it is weird that the modern versions are playing and not like more. Yeah. Like, I think the Baroque (laughs) versions are just as cool. Like Game of Thrones and Westworld have proved that you can do that. And everyone's going to be like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that's the way to do that kind of thing. It is weird that like really all they're there for. And that this is. The truest thing to me about the movie's music cues <laughs> is that all they're there for is yeah. for emotional manipulation. Like, I don't care. I know it's a <laughs> I know it's a garbage music cue. Like, I know for a fact it is like I'm yeah. like, this is strictly here. So I'm like, oh, that is like oh, I'm like, I'm really feeling it now is the cue when um when the audio when the when they're uh when the fog clears and they see London the the boys are back in town from Thin Lizzy kicks in I'm like there's absolutely yeah. no reason for this music cue to be here absolutely none but I'm still like I'm still like feeling I'm like oh shit here we go <laughs> it's it gets so bad it's so it bad but the only the only one I forgive is cuz I was like wait where have we been this whole movie? Because you never know what country you're in yeah. once. And so when they do, the boys are back in town. I was like, 
oh, I guess they haven't been home in a while. Right. <laughs> and so instead of waiting for the flashbacks where we hear more about that, but then Lizzie will just handle that in two lyrics. Right. But like, again, it's still one of those things where like musically, <laughs> it's completely, it's completely emotional manipulation. The, like, I think a lot about like Aaron Sorkin TV shows have a lot of like musical cues that are emotional manipulation where you're like, if you take the music cue out of this, this is fucking horse shit. But because you have this like roaring modern rock score yeah. over it, you're like getting you're getting emotional about it. It's the same vibe. Like Thin Lizzy kicking in right as yeah. the fog clears. You're like, oh shit, these guys are coming back to the chickens are coming home to roost. I mean, most emo most musical cues are for man emotional manipulation. Right, but this I is like actual manipulation. On that, I'm just like, yeah, do better. Yeah. Don't like we don't need every song lyric to be exactly what we're visually watching on the screen. Right. You know, like so okay, we've done enough about the the other thing that is shockingly anachronistic that really drives me nuts is our, our main love interest, our maiden fair, who just dresses like it's breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, breakfast. But in at the Tiffany's. middle, I'm like, can you really walk in there in this dress to the church and tell a priest to suck your balls? And, like, that was just cool. I, I'm not sure I would go. Like, I would, the whole thing with that. I would say her look is much more modern than that. I've never understood the Shannon Sossaman look. Like, everything about it in this movie is so, like, yeah. it feels like it's out of a 90s movie about a woman who's going to, like, Malaysia to learn about herself. Like, it's like a prequel to Eat, Pray, Love almost. It's really weird. <laughs> But this is what I mean. The weird thing is I think a lot of the stuff that is really good in the movie, right, that gets a little buried is this medieval tale, right? This class warfare, the I can rise, I can change my stars, right, as he says. I love that shit in the movie. And I like the time frame, but this they're constantly pulling me out. Like every time one of those music cues hits or Shannon Sossaman's on screen, I, I literally look like that Michael Scott gif when he realizes Toby's back. And my face just goes blank. And I'm like, well, now I'm emotionally. I remember I was at a screening once back when I was writing criticisms for Battlemouth. And I was reviewing this guy's movie. And it was an okay movie. It was fine. It's like a little horror thriller. My buddy was editing. So there were like seven of us at like a small test screening, right? And he told me this thing once. And he's like, if you're the best tip he ever got, he's like, as a director, don't give them something that pulls them out of the movie. Every time you do that, it takes them seven to 10 minutes to get back in the movie. Right. right. And he's like, if you do that every 10 minutes, you've lost half of your movie to them, not giving a fuck and not buying right. in. And I, it, it seems arbitrary, right? It's like one of those Hollywood things. People say, you're like, there's no science behind right. that, but it kind of makes sense. Right. Every time one of those songs kicks in, I'm just, Oh, and like now that I'm at my house, you're like, all right, I'll go to the bathroom or whatever. I won't even pause it. And then I'll come back when the uh, annoying uncle soundtrack's not on and I'll get back into the shit I really like. Uh, so that's enough about the anachronistic stuff. What I think this movie is beyond that is just such a wildly awesome ensemble cast. Yes. Watching these guys go through this journey is fucking awesome. Yeah. That part of the movie is undeniably good. I think it's me. pretty rare to have actors of this caliber in a whole cast together that play off each other that well. Like the chemistry is just yeah, unbelievable, man. Yeah. Like that's like the thing that I think that's what for me, the chemistry between the five of them 
going through all this together is what will bring what kind of just brings the movie all the way through like you can ignore a lot of the anachronisms and that kind of stuff by just watching these guys play off each other and again like it's mark addy and uh alan tudyk and paul bettany and heath ledger and i never i i'm not sure i've ever seen that actress that other actress in anything else to be honest with you which i feel bad about because she's wonderful the armor the armor yes i feel bad that they didn't give her a part in this movie <laughs> hot take shots fired i thought that was gonna end up I thought that was going to end up being interesting, right? It felt like, this is the thing. This movie, to me, desperately wants to be rebel without a cause in a way, right? Like, this could have been a movie about guys playing chicken in their, like, muscle cars, right? right? right. They don't trust me because I'm a greaser and they're sushis, right? Like, you could have made this at any time because they clearly didn't truly care about Renaissance, <laughs> Yes, you know, believability, right? right. right? So I'm like, that's the kind of movie it wants to be, right? And if it's that kind of it, because everyone keeps saying to me, this is a sports movie. And I was like, it kind of is, but in that edge, right? The through sports, I will find my way up, right? Like a Bad News Bears, stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? The the class warfare on the field, on the pitch, on the field, on the, the hardwood. It doesn't matter if I'm poor or whatever, like we'll all right. be. So I look at it more as that kind of a thing than like a true sports film. Even though the Jock Jam soundtrack is blaring in my ears the whole time. Right. But it it could have been that kind of a movie. And I'm shocked that – I don't know if you thought, but I, the armor never had a scene where she got her shine, I felt like. I was kind of a little bummed. I thought what they were getting at when they did the she was going to teach them dance lessons, oh, he's going to see what he has right in front of him, right? Oh, she's not the dream girl. The other girl wants me to get hit in the face with lances a bunch of times. That's not cool. <laughs> I thought they were going to go somewhere with that. I guess it probably would have been cliche if they had, and we would have killed it for that. So that's kind of an unwinnable fight. Right. I wish they would have given the armor a moment, right? I mean, yes and no. Like, I think her her moments were – she didn't get a big moment. That's for sure. Like, she does not have, like, her yeah. big moment. Like, yeah. her moments are – and look, I – Look, I didn't write it. I'm not entirely sure. But there are certainly uh, all the other dudes certainly get a shot. So there are some sexist overtones there going on. But nevertheless, just a bit. What's that? I said just a just hair. Just a touch. Just a touch. of. I mean, honestly, like she has all her moments of like, oh, how awesome she is are all her. She's not on screen for other than like teaching them all to dance, which yeah. is again like, kind of not really, not great. But like, oh, a girl knows how to dance. A girl can teach these manly men how. Yeah, to you're stretch. just like one of those things. You're like, really? Also, I was like, really, Chaucer. Arm- Chaucer would know how to right, dance. Like the armor. Like that's why yeah. he's like Chaucer would know how like, to dance. Come on, man. Linda, like an armor knows how to dance. Got it. She's a girl. Cool. Thank you. That was very, very, very progressive of you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but like, yeah, <laughs> like. All of her moments are all her moments are these really small moments because she is very good with the like the pieces they give her. She makes a meal sure. out of. And that's the stuff like the scene where she yeah. figures out that the like the that's not his armor. Like where she's like the armor wasn't made for you. Like that beat right there, that's her moment. Like those little pieces where she builds the armor herself other than the Nike yeah. swooshes which are kind of like why would you need to do that? This isn't like she's like, well, in case you know, 
somebody admires the armor it's like this isn't you know we're not there's no brand recognition yeah. in the middle ages all right <laughs> in a film of winking at us and we're just like doing this back stop no stop winking at me i don't think it's cute uh the nike swooshes are maybe like the 130th most annoying thing they do in this movie but it's not good not good um i don't know she she's really good at what she does right that's great and she does have one of the best lines in the movie which is uh later in the film when uh, i can't i think it, I, I can't remember who asked her but he's like what are you a lady or an armorer and she goes sometimes, sometimes i manage to be yeah. both and i was like boom that's fucking baller right that's a great line i wish the rest of the film would have because that's the thing in such a great strong character ensemble right this does really become the boys club sure and they all have great moments uh lady foxy as he calls her no moments you're like i guess because she's clearly a time traveler who's more into sex than all these other peasants <laughs> like of course you'd be captivated by her so she has some moments even though not a lot of chemistry on set which is hard because keith led heath ledger's just pouring out raw sex and appeal to everyone on screen except for lady foxy the guy's just walking id of charisma throughout the entire like one of my favorite bits and it's like it's during the training montage is when he's uh he picks up the carrots and he's like come on ponies and like and like uh nicks at them <laughs> and like i'm like that's a yeah. completely meaningless moment but it's such a nice like it's such a funny again it's great comedic timing like heath ledger has great comedic timing <laughs> that's not a joker so dig either but yeah like he is <laughs> for being the leading man of a movie and having only really done like kind of like he was mainly known for like team teen stuff at that time like he's so good like you can see him starting to break off well that's where you get your comedy chops yeah it's, it's pretty great yeah that's where you can learn your comedy chops yeah but i don't know i just i wanted her to have more of a moment that was a small beef because honestly i think most of the characters are pretty strong right the gang that we run with chaucer is amazing yeah. Right, the flavor flame Chaucer setup works exceptionally <laughs> yes. well. The little wink and nods. This might be a story someday. <laughs> it's like all right, a lot that's of wink. Great. It's just yeah, but a lot of winking and nodding. His the his recurring thing is fantastic, right? Yeah, Alan uh, Alan Tudyk's character, who's just kind of like, I'll give you, a, I'll thrash it all, will. I can't remember what weird word he says. A fogging. I'll give you a fogging. Yeah, but see, even this is what I mean, though. Even that, right? So his whole thing is, I'm gonna fong someone because I'm scared. I'm scared and small, and this is all I can do is punch someone, right? He's a creature of his physical needs, right? At the end, when he gets in front of Will, who's in the stocks, and he's saying he's gonna fong that whole town, like that almost moved me to tears. I was like, that is such an because this guy went from literally being the extra body, yeah. right? The dummy, the meathead, whatever his thing was, he wasn't really there for anything but to give someone uh for chaucer to dunk right, on, right? right but in that moment when he cuts in front of will you're like that is the summation of all of this yeah that's what that guy is to will in this group is he can take it all man he does feel like no matter what's happening i'll stand up to the world and so that moment is what i wanted from every character because i feel like they pretty much all got there right by the end chaucer's a somewhat reformed gambling addict i mean probably not he gambles again uh, with the French, yeah, but they just see, they so just win that time. So it probably, it's okay. if we're being real, yeah, if we're being real, if Will doesn't become king, Chaucer is yeah. dead. Chaucer's Chaucer going to be dead be by the end of this movie, because Will all of a sudden's like, "Oh, I'm married. 
I'm banging this time traveler. We got kids. I can't be hanging out and doing tournaments anymore. And Chaucer's like, what the fuck do I do? And it's like, I don't know, gamble and get murdered. That's his life. He's dead after this movie pretty quick. Um, but they, they all have those great moments, right. man. What, what was your a couple of your favorite of those emotional bring home moments? I mean, I think that my favorite, honestly, my favorite moment through the, like, everybody has a nice little bit, too. And again, they give they give the armor yeah. like the really serious one too. But um, when they're helping him write the love letter, I I very mm. much like that. That's a nice little montage. And again, there's no weird. There's no weird. <laughs> that was it. Was weirdly cool. It was. But you're like, I kind of wanted him to do it. <laughs> right. It's kind of all of them pouring their hearts out about what would make their lives tolerable and this like shit they find right. themselves. That is a great moment. I'm with you, but it does. I feel like it's one of those like good bonding moments. And you're like, Oh, look at them all like pouring their hearts. So, but that's okay. So I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good moment. I like the emotionality of it, but again, it's one of those just, it's a very night's tale payoff, right? Where you're like, look at them talking about the things that like they, cause this thing, all of these characters are on the outs, right? They're at the bottom. They're having some success and coming up, but it's still not enough. They still know their place and that it's all alive. Yeah. So that love letter moment I had forgotten about. It is really cool to listen to them kind of. They're writing love letters to their own futures. Right. Well, I liked it. But then when they hand it to Foxy and she's a time traveler and she's like, oh, and it works on well, her. I'm like, no, no, no. What I like about that moment, me. though, is it's not necessarily like I like that they're all like lending a hand and that that part's fun. But what I really dig is. uh I love that, like, Alan Tudyk's character is the one who keeps having to deliver it. And when he gives his little bit, too, that's the part that I like the most is, like, they catch him because she reads his part out loud, which is, like, I think he says, because he starts crying, too. He's like, I miss her like the spring misses the flower. And then she reads that part, and you get that, like, great little – Alan Tudyk's so good, man. What a great line. He just has that – He's unbelievable. He's so fucking good in this movie, man. Like – no one has any right being as good as he is in this movie. Like, it's so great. But that's, like, that's the thing I like about this. Like, that's the part that's, like, this great camaraderie between all of them is, like, this is a guy who should be fully capable of talking about things other than boobs and throats, which is, like, the first thing he starts with. That, and yeah, they're all, like, they're all willing to actually help rather than just say, like, you monster, like, you have nothing else to say to this woman besides nice titties. Like, come on. Yeah. It's or also just being like you pansy, you're a you're a stick man. They all help in. Yeah, that is a nice. They that's the thing. This group really just congeals. And that's what I mean. If you take any of these guys out and they are just slightly lesser actors, even good actors that just don't meld like this, this movie collapses. But they're so fucking good. I'll tell you the thing in the movie that to me didn't resonate with me when I saw it in theaters as a younger guy but absolutely gutted me today was the tale of him and his father. Oh yeah, man. Um, Cause this is the thing. A lot of movies like this do this to me and you now that we're dads ourselves, but the thought of like, you know, having a kid in a world where you're just going to give them away, right. To try to give them something better. Yeah. Uh, just to a guy who does like the, the stick poking pony game, right? Like that, that's a path to a better life than being with your own father. And when he hands him over to the knight, we see the flashback, right? And he, um, I believe the knight says, I will show you 
because he's kind of smitten with him. And you're like, the dad is probably like, yeah, me too, man. That's my fucking kid, dude. The only good thing in this world is that kid for him. And he's willing to give it up. And he, uh, the knight says, I'll show you a world of adventure and, you know, magic, fun, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck he offers. And uh, the dad just is like holding back tears like you've got to Learn go. all you can. This is your chance to have a better life than I, I mean, had. And that's like in that moment <laughs> fucking rip my guts out because the thought of a, a man having to do that. I mean, it truly was the actor who played his dad. Again, I've, I'm horrible with names. I'll never remember. But just such a great performance that kind of gets lost in the nonsense. Mm-hmm. But that moment is brilliantly played. And then you pair it with. He has like a little three beat arc, right? When he comes home and Will finds his dad, you know, on the uh, the the bad part of town, and he's talking about this night, and he's like, I hear him chanting his name in the arena, and you can tell he's starting to figure yeah. it out, right? And when he says, uh, "Damn, I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry thinking about it," but that part when he says, uh, "Has he used his feet to find oh, his God. way home?" I was like, "Oh my God, dude, dude I'm fucking crying again." <laughs> but I, I was just weeping it's really on my couch. It's emotional, though. It's like, such a fuck. It's beautiful, oh, dude. Beautifully played. He's just like, and he's just like, "My boy." You're like, "Ooh, ooh, God." Oh man, just sobs. All sobs. He gave his boy away. He became blind in that time. So like, things have not been good for this dude. No. And in that moment, he is the happiest a person can possibly be. Right? He's hit the mountaintop of happiness. This sad, put-upon man in one moment is happier than anyone else we see in the movie. And it's fucking... Like, that is that is the thing I think that bothers me about A Knight's Tale, right? How do you have the capacity to do that scene? Those two scenes, right? How can you make such beautifully profound, emotionally tight scenes? And then do low rider montages. Like it's it's just such a weird I don't understand well, really. But that oh my god, I forgot about the other beat with the dad is when uh Foxy Lady, Foxy Cleopatra or whatever, she finds his dad and brings him to the stands for the final round because he has to win in a cliched sports movie. Oh, yeah. Otherwise it's and, not a sports uh, movie. The crowd starts chanting his name, right? Because Chaucer's doing the like super pump up. Right. It's awesome. You're feeling it. You're watching the movie. You're like, yeah. But when uh, I think it's Alan Tudyk's character, right? He grabs onto Will as he's tying the the lance onto his arm. And he's like, that's your name. You're not Lars Ulrich or whatever. <laughs> that's the drummer from Metallica. I don't remember what. You're not Sir. Let's just, no, no, sir no, no. barely can Lars, keep a beat. Stick yeah. with Sir Lars Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> You're not he who once slayeth Napster. Right? And cutteth thou hair off in the 90s and made people cry. Uh, you're not that guy, but they're actually, he's Sir William now. He's his own mm-hmm. knight, right? And they're like, that's your name. And he heard them chanting your name. I don't know. Like, that is the shit. Like, they do those kind of sports movie moments exceptionally well. Because that, I think, works with every every dad and every son, right? Is It's... You just want you to be want seen something, and heard. I think and it like, works. Something about that bond matters. Well, yeah, man. I mean, what a great I think moment. for boys, it's about the bond with your father. And then for us as adults, like as parents, are like it's the same thing we all want. We all want our kids to do better than we did. So, like, there is that. I mean, that's the emotional yeah. beat. Like, there's nothing emotionally manipulative about that. That is that is the least manipulative thing. That's just good storytelling. <laughs> it's... It's an yeah. interesting. I mean, it's, it's an it's, it's an interesting really mixed like, bag. But it, 
Yeah, but see, that's a powerhouse moment. And again, it is all like every movie is manipulation, right? But you want it to even when you know a movie's manipulating you, if they get you that deep in your feelings, that's okay. I shouldn't be aware that I'm being manipulated. That's like the that's the that's the trick. Like, I shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't be aware that that's happening. Like. None of that is that. Yeah. That's like the point. That's like good. That's the se- separation between like good filmmaking. Or, I don't know. Good. So quote unquote, but like decent filmmaking and like filmmaking that I'm not going to like be like, oh, my God, best movie ever is like being emotionally manipulated into <laughs> like like into like really feeling the boys are back in town during a medieval movie is different than being like manipulated into loving. I don't know, like. The soundtrack to like feeling really serious about a courtroom drama like a few good men. There's a huge difference. There's a gap <laughs> of difference there. I mean, like that to difference. me is that to me is the difference. And that's the thing that doesn't work about the anachronism is that if you end up just if you end up just depending on these things to like like you said, take the viewer out of the movie. I don't understand like what they're for. Like those kinds of things, like yeah, low is a great example very inappropriate music cue but like why why is it doing these things like even things that shouldn't even even things that don't because there's the dance sequence like that dance sequence when he goes to like the um i don't know what it is but like they're like trying to dance and then out of nowhere they just start like the ball like head banging and jumping around you're like i don't i don't know why this is happening like there's movies. See, that was that the one moment it. where I was like, <laughs> I was definitely Rufus Sewell in that moment where you're like, I also would walk out. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> like done. for one scene, he was not the villain. <laughs> These people are idiots. I have to leave. Uh, that's that's the baffling thing, though, is how does this movie hit such good depths? But it's constantly trying to pull you back. Hey, hey, this is a not great movie. Hey, hey, it's pulling you back. It's so. It's strange. It'd be like being a horse rider and you're trying to win a race, but you're constantly yanking back on the the stick rope in the horse's mouth. It just doesn't. And and that's again, I'm not to not to go back in on that, but yeah. But like, here's the thing, and this is the crux of the thing, because to me, that's the hardest part about this movie. So like, the question is, why is it watchable in some yeah. regard? Like, why is it on TV all the fucking time? Yeah. Why is it watchable? And the reason yeah. for me is well, because it's, it's, it hits those emotional beats so hard with such fervor, with such passion. You're like, damn, I can't miss that part of this movie. I can miss the fucking low rider montage. But what I can't miss is fucking William showing back up at his dad's place. And after 20 years and being a full grown man and this guy having last seen his son as a little boy, knowing exactly who his kid is like, that's, Man, that's fucking yeah. that'll get you. Well, it's it's like, yeah, it's it's Diet Coke. <laughs> I know this shit's horrible for me, but I like it. Now I'm addicted to it because that's the other weird thing about this movie that, again, you're like, how fucking much this cast achieves. Right. This is one of the those movies that also drives me nuts in the regards. There is not one moment of discovery or reveal in this whole film. Right. Maybe Chaucer's naked body where you're like, that's a weird, what's <laughs> happening? And you're like, oh, Chaucer, now we're going to get some more in references. From there, the movie plays out beat for beat exactly how you know this movie's going to play right. out. 
There is nothing surprising about this movie. There is no organic discovery. When it gets to the end, right, and he's, like, having his battle, we know that douche knight needs to get knocked off his horse because he said he'd never been on a horse, right? You know that he's going to lose, too. You know she's coming to the crowd. You know she's bringing his dad. You know everything that's happening in this movie. So there is an inherent lack of interest in my mind. But like you said, there is a lot of moments where you get so lost in that. It's weird because <laughs> this movie is at once like the worst things about Hollywood movies and like also kind of an example of the things that people like about like the French New Wave. Right. Where it's like we're just watching these characters that we really emotionally bond to go through day to day events. You just take that and put it in this souped up Hollywood turd. <laughs> And it somehow still has a lot of legs and is really entertaining. I mean, that's what it is. Like, to me, that's the validation this movie has is like for all the things that it does so poorly, which are kind of innumerable in a lot of ways, for all the things that it doesn't, (laughs) for all the things that don't work for maybe you and I, there are so many things also that hit us so hard on a gut level. Like that ending, the the ending of this movie is one of the worst endings to a movie ever especially a movie like this like not even like the you don't like the walk amongst the stars it's not even like a cliched sports because like i can get over look i've watched so many fucking sports movies in my life like there's nothing about it that i find shocking anymore so like i don't take umbrage with beat for beat sports stuff because quite frankly like of course he's gonna have to get unhorsed that's part of the deal he's the bad guy bad guys have to be brought down to brought down a peg but like Again, it goes back to like in that line, that whole bit where they like he's like floating in midair after being unhorsed, uh, you know, Dark City Man. That was strange. which is really weird. No, Rufus Sewell. So he he has a a psychic vision yeah. of himself losing and then hearing one by one the posse, most of which he's never engaged with. Telling him bit by bit his famous, you have been seen, you have been measured, you have been weighed, you've been found wanting. Right. He sees them, and then Heath Ledger Will pops over, and he's like, welcome to the new world, or whatever. He has that whole psychic vision before he takes off on the ponies. Yeah. So this is like this man who's trying to murder another guy. He's got the, like, uh, he's got candy, candy condoms yeah, the candy on con- his the candy uh, condom uh, pro He's trying tip, to yeah. murder. This guy's having like a full mental breakdown, right. <laughs> which, by the way, I kind of saw that coming when he was in actual warfare and he's like, oh, the day's <laughs> report. I've the lost thousands sports. of my brothers. This. Yeah. This field is probably filled with the entrails and poop of all of my my brothers. Uh, you got those box scores from the stick pokey. <laughs> and then he's so mad. He's not mad how many people died that were under his command. He stabs the table. That uh, Lars Ulrich from Metallica is winning all these jousting Dude, matches. it's so it's so <laughs> weird. I've never understood that part at all, and that is always a thing. I've th- I thought the same thing from the first time I saw this movie. I was like, why does he give a shit? He's literally like the general of an army. He's like, lost a lot of good men today, but yeah. I have to know who's won the pony. It's like, ah, it's so weird. It's so weird, and it makes no sense. But in a weird way, that's one of those. But that's the great thing right. about him being a it's villain. Weird, it's so but that's petty. one of those. But that—that's what I mean, though. That's why it works for me, is because that's getting back to the Renaissance times where this guy is so removed from reality 
that although he thinks he's this great warrior and great general, if he was actually out there on the front lines, like fucking mucking yeah, he's it like up, doing it and picking up these dead soldiers. No, I mean, he's just a guy who's probably in his tent. He's like, God, I ate too many grapes today. That's my battle for the day. <laughs> Tummy aches. And then he's like, can I have the pony thing? Hey, gross. Get that dead body out of here. Ew. Not on my nice fine linens. Right. But that kind of works. He's so because you do see that a little bit with the 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 kind of nobles we see. Right, right? right. So you see that with him. He's so detached from everyone. He doesn't understand when Will shows mercy. These moments are really good, right? Even the uh, the Prince of the Blackwater, the Black oh, Gate, whatever. Okay, the fuck that they call that's him. actually that's a He's real person. So... That's Prince Edward. Oh, I mean, I assumed it was. I don't give a fuck about the British royal family. Not a one of them. Wow. I don't think they're interesting. Griffey. I don't care. Not a, wow, that, that's but the biggest reveal of this fired. movie. Is that Griffey doesn't watch the Crown? My goodness. <laughs> Actually, it's weird. I almost started the crowd. I was like, that's how bad 2020 has been for me is that I've run out of things and I almost watch a royal family show. But <laughs> I heard it's great. And I love Olivia Coleman and Matt Smith. Agreed. That's neither here nor there. But what him just saying, like, I want to go fight and do this fucking stick battle. Right. Right. That shows you him, too. He's a man with literally everything. People bow before him. He can make or break anyone he wants. But he wants to go experience something real and visceral. And it gives some weight to what is probably one of the dumbest sports ever in a movie, jousting. Yes. Just darts, like, is about as interesting. Bowling and kingpin, like, jousting is fucking stupid. Also, we didn't even really see the coolest thing in jousting, which is someone being blinded <laughs> someone or murdered being by a stick. completely murdered. <laughs> yeah, and at the end, when Will's like, oh, I'll win in my, uh, my blouse... You're the like, fact well, that, now I the think fact the sport that we is didn't get stupid. a full blown murder. The fact that we missed. So technically, we did see a murder yeah. at the very beginning of the movie because the guy, the original knight, well, does get killed. That guy, he could have just died of old age. What? Like, did we know he died in a jail? Well, I don't know. But like, I'm trying to paint that pretty picture because I hope that's the case. Because if not, then. Gotcha. You know, what's the point? Yeah. But I mean. <laughs> Well, I, I want to see the rom-com while they're just dragging out dead, maimed knights by the background. Weekend at Lars Ulrichs. <laughs> the fact Lars that von this, Ulrichs. Yeah. Yeah. So Lars Ulrichs, just his Napsters and whoever behind him, right? Like, the fact that this movie's like, jousting is seriously hardcore, guys. Don't think it's stupid. And the first thing we don't see is, like, a montage of three or four guys getting maimed is one of the... <laughs> biggest misses i've seen in a movie of this ilk <laughs> it would be the same as like you can't have mighty ducks where we don't see that the hawks are actually really good at right. hockey right like we gotta see that this is there are some stakes to this thing because as i see will even is just like oh i'll do a match uh for wap where i just get hit in the fucking face three times not moving and this guy can just run up on me with the stick and hit me and i'm just okay to go out and kick ass the rest of the tournament jousting is stupid i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry larpers and ren fair guys jousting is stupid Tis what it is i like the sword fighting shot though i thought that was a that's cool always scene. cool because everyone was on them again it swords felt are very awesome. fight clubby i like that sword fighting scene. sword fighting always sword better fighting than is never poking. not cool especially in a renaissance movie <laughs> especially in a movie that clearly takes especially in a movie that clearly takes place like a three mile wide ren fair it's 
<laughs> Always cool. Now, if if that's the reveal, is that this is the Truman Show, but for Red Fair people, that's a fucking movie. Then this movie kicks ass. That's a fucking movie. I'm actually yeah, going to say that just the Night, a reality. The Tale absolutely Whoa. is a Truman Show. Okay, because imagine that explains Shannon Sossman's character, who is the least Renaissance person right. I've ever seen on Here's film. the question, though. She's actually a producer. She's an on-the-set director. Oh, I see. <laughs> They're working. Yeah. So okay, the armor is like from the right, FX yeah, department. Go, okay, so let's go from there. So like armor's FX department, or like armor's FX art. Uh, Alan Tudyk's the PA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are we all, are we assuming? <laughs> <laughs> are we assuming William is Truman? We're assuming Heath Ledger's Truman, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I think you oh, can yeah. make the case that maybe actually I'm imagining a world where they. They find these like unbelievable children that have that glow, and they're like, "Look at this beautiful, perfect human." Set him in the medieval time. This is kind of Westworld. This is what Westworld is. Yes, but it's like Truman Show mixed with Westworld, where they have like a little samurai land, and a, a little prehistoric land, and that's what we all watch is the Knight's Tale, and that's why it's I think like, we've cr- I think like, we've cracked weird, the code on the Knight's Tale. No, the Knight's play. Tale is absolutely Truman Show and Westworld. Would make a lot of sense. There's no right? way it's not. I feel really good about this theory. That would make a lot of sense. This mo- is that why at the end Rufus Sewell's character has that flashbacks? He's like, "Fuck! I hope I can keep my SAG insurance <laughs> after I'm written off the show." Yeah, exactly. He's about to be written off. That's the problem. <laughs> he's like having that like he's having that I've just been written out of the show right. like fever dream like crying in his trailer. <laughs> All right, Alex. Now that we've cracked the code, though, go back. Last little send off to Knight's Tale, uh, a strange movie, indeed. But what what still makes this movie worth coming back to and watching? I mean, we you? said at the very beginning, the cast is unparalleled. It's ca- the movie's cast perfectly, but ultimately, the story itself does a very good job of explaining that a man can change his stars, and there is something to aspire to. And they're yep. all the right, they're all the proper lofty goals of a sports movie of a against all odds movie of a you know adversarial movie it hits all the right moments while also for some reason including thin lizzy low rider <laughs> what other oh uh queen Santa, two shannon queen sauceman. songs <laughs> and shannon sauceman yeah doubling up on the queen that's like a classic q95 mistake like come on shock like or classic every rock sports jump. movie queen not even like doubling up on like fat bottom girls and like you know any of the other sweet hits now that would have been something to see in the ren fair that's what they start twerking to in the the ball come on man it's second place. I mean, we're just rewriting now, this. Um, what about you i think that's i think what i take away from this movie is it's a really interesting reminder to me right is we have a lot of these debates about people love to give movie five stars or one stars, right? This movie sucks because of this, right? Or this movie's a perfect movie. We throw that around a lot, right? And if we're being honest, there are no perfect movies because no movie works perfectly for everyone, right. right? It's not There's no universally beloved movie. Maybe Jaws, that's one. But other than that, right, no movie works universally for all audiences and crowds. And this movie's a great reminder of a couple things that I always think about movies is one that a movie can be really bad at times, but still have unbelievable gems that if you are sitting there and being open enough to it, you can get really good stuff out of a really not good movie. Right. right. right? Um, also that 
there are so few movies where anything matters more to me than the emotional journey of the characters. Mm -hmm. And this movie really works. Like, think of all your favorite movies, right? Or any of them where you're like, well, the cast is absolute dog shit, but the high concept works a lot. Those aren't your favorite right. movies. You might enjoy some of those. And this movie, again, when it matters, it gives me that scene, right, where he gets to hug his dad again. And you're like, that's worth it to me every time. And it, it, it again, it's a reminder of sometimes you got to you gotta just be prepared that movies are going to have these big gaping holes and big reasons to run away. But – it's it's just fascinating because if they didn't find all of these soon to be amazing actors, well, they were already amazing, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. All these actors that were about to break even bigger at just the right time that it helps kind of ferret us through all these, or ferry us through all of these kind of unusual fucking interferences. Right. And again, that's the third thing, right? Is you can have a great script and a great director, great cat. You could have like all the pieces, but so many fucking people work on a movie. That somewhere down the line, someone can make really fucking weird choices and completely shift and change the tone of a right. film. And I think this is kind of an example of all of that. They got the characters and the emotional journey right. That's the most important to me, right? Um, no movies are perfect. And if you let a movie exist as it is, you can find some really good stuff. And also kind of saying a movie sucks or an actor sucks or whatever based on how many people make a movie. This is a... This felt like one of those. It took a lot of people to become the iceberg for the Titanic, but it's not the Titanic's. It didn't fucking sink for yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like this movie doesn't sink. No, it floats. <laughs> it's good. Kind of. <laughs> I don't know if that was the most succinct way, but. All right, guys, that's it for a night's tale. Um, hopefully I'll be back stronger next week. We've got some really good ones. Uh, Fifth Element and Showgirls up next. Super Cannot fucking wait. stoked to talk about both of those movies. <laughs> Again, you have a couple more days. You can still get in before the end of the month. If you want to hear something, hit us up on your socials. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Make sure when you're buying Manscaped gifts for all of your friends, you use code FILM for 20% off at checkout. Uh, help out the show. Help out your buddies uh, in this dark medieval time of hygiene. Um, and that's it, guys, for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh. I'm Murphy. Alex Dandino.